Welcome back to Japers Wink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young. And today, we finally, finally have Jason Rogers of Washington City Paper, Japers Rink, and uh, NBC Sports Washington. So, uh, Jason, I know we were talking before, but I am really, really excited to have you on. So, uh, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Greg. Let me tell you, I feel like the like the unwanted black sheep of the Japers <laughs> Rink family here. How I feel bad about that. You are definitely not. I, I will vouch for that. Okay, well, I, I love you, Greg. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. And, you know, any day where in the middle of, gosh, I don't even, who knows what day it is anymore? Yeah, middle it's of October, confusing. All of them bleed day, together. <laughs> any time in October when we are talking you know, getting ready for free agency is a weird and fun time, and I'm ready to talk some hockey. Yeah, and it's kind of kind of has that uh, almost Christmas Eve feel tonight in a weird way. It's like it's kind of nice because of how weird and crazy the news has been to just kind of have this little little bubble of uh, excitement to kind of uh, kind of dig into here, huh? Oh yeah, and and you know, Hendrix Lapierre is the one present you're allowed to open on Christmas Eve. He's the, yes. the guy in your stocking. <laughs> you know, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's almost like uh, so. So I'm I'm Jewish, so it's almost like uh, it's a little Hanukkah thing going on. Yeah, here, there you, you go. Know? Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's uh let's dive right in here. Um. So the first big news that happened um is actually not a free agency news, but it is a uh, a former Capital and a former player of a lot of other places. Uh, J- Justin Williams has uh, finally retired. So uh, Jason, you got to uh, if I'm not mistaken, you've gotten to talk to Justin a little bit. Kind of reflect on his career and how kind of do you reflect on his tenure as a Washington Capital? Yeah, you know, Jay Willie, Mr. Game 7, Monsieur yeah. Jusset, he is... Uh, a nickname he hated, by the way, right, if I'm and, not mistaken. You know, and, and if we're being real for real, Gregory, which I think we ought to, I feel like that's what the people deserve here. If I don't know if you looked at his record uh, when he retired today, the, the tweet that whoever, I guess the Canes PR team put out, and it said, you know, Justin Justin Williams with a spectacular... Eight and one record in game sevens, and I was like, I still remember that one, and I won't forgive you for it, Justin. <laughs> oh, you know, so yeah. but but Justin Williams was Justin Williams was as respected of a player as I can recall having come through the Capitals locker room, as far as guys that just command respect by example and by the way that they carry themselves and by their play on the ice. The only other guys that I can think of that remind me of that are Brooks Orpic and Braden Holtby as far as just the universal respect that they had in the locker room. And, man, he he was a heck of a good player. He, at his best, his hockey IQ was incredible. He was great at creating space for his teammates. He was great at doing the little sort of Nick Baxter-esque things to create that extra six inches of space he needs to get a pass off or a shot off. Um, And, you know, he's three-time Stanley Cup champion. He will... More than likely, I would reckon, make it into the Hall of Fame, probably. Um, he was he had a great sense of humor. He was always clowning on Andre Burakovsky, and frankly, the world needs more people clowning on Andre Burakovsky. It does. <laughs> and it was it was great. He he had a great career. I think as far as guys that made a butt ton of money, won a butt ton of rings made a lot of friends along the way, had a long career, and by the time they left, didn't have any 
any stains on their reputation, didn't have any scandals, didn't have any whatever. That's that is impeccable. That is exceptional. And I think Justin Williams will go down as an exceptional player in the history of the National Hockey League. Uh, yeah, I think, think very well said. And I think that there's only a few players that uh, could kind of did what he did last year of kind of just, oh, well, I'm going to come back halfway through the year and try to try to help my team out. Uh, I don't know if there's many players who could have pulled that kind of thing off with Carolina. And he did it and played pretty well, I would say, really. Just, uh, just a really, really interesting and really good player. It's funny you say that. I was actually in the press box at... MedStar, I don't even know if it was Kettler or MedStar then, uh, uh, watching Capitals practice with the rest of the press when it was announced that Justin Williams was going to take the first half of the year off and come in. And I remember looking, I, I think it was Isabel Kershudian, and I was like, if that was any other player, his teammates would be ragging him. They would be oh, kicking yeah. his raggedy behind out of the locker room saying, no, you're either with us 100% or you're not whatsoever. Only a player that has built up the capital with their teammates that Justin Williams has could pull off something like that. Yeah. Great, great, great guy. So I want to talk about uh, the thing that Justin Williams uh, will not be, and that is a free agent. (laughs) Um, And uh, this is kind of an interesting year with free agency. I mean, we're talking about a flat cap. We're talking in the middle of October for the free agency period. So I guess, Jason... How do you expect this to go? Do you expect a lot more trades? Do you expect kind of a general craziness over the next few days? Kind of kind of what's your read on what's going to happen? So the first thing that comes to mind is in the same way that like, and I flunked out of chemistry in high school, but in the same way I've come to understand that if you squeeze something real hard, that pressure can transform it into something wild and unexpected. I think mm-hmm. that is what we're seeing a little bit here with this NHL free agency. So in the same way that baseball, right? Baseball is a clown show right now with COVID and everything. But though, in the way that when they decided they were going to do a shortened season, which is what the NHL is almost certainly going to do, they a number of teams looked around. They, they took a long, hard look in the mirror mm-hmm. and they said, are we a contender this year? And they said, if no, OK, we are basically going to pack in this season from the get-go, which is normally halfway through the season in a half-length season. So that kind of makes sense. Other teams said, hey, we may, you know, in a course of a 162-game baseball season, we may suck at the end, we may tail off, we may whatever, but we can put together a 60-game run here. And so they, all of a sudden, teams you weren't expecting, were all in, going for it. I think mm-hmm. that is sort of what we're seeing now in the NHL. Um and I think we'll continue to see that and it will permeate in weird sort of weird science sort of ways. But I think that's what's happening is that some teams are looking around saying, OK, we're, we're not contenders right now. Let's just desperately try to get out of some of this salary, out of some of these albatross contracts while we can, things like that. But the other thing that's making it weird is that I'm sure there are some teams that don't want to, for example – invest and 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 mortgage their future draft picks on a one-year flyer on a guy for example if covid may cancel the season all of a sudden that one year they he only got on the ice six times and all of a sudden he's a free agent yep and you're paying him for that yep yes and you're paying him for that so this is a weird weird spooky situation right now in nhl free agency and if nothing else it's going to be fun man like even the amount of buyouts that there have already been i feel yeah 
of, of big name veteran players, I feel like is unprecedented. I can't recall this early, just the market being flooded with guys that maybe they're two, three years over the hill past their prime, whatever, but guys that in a normal, starved, boring NHL free free agency period would be the biggest name on the market. Sure. And like, even just look at the goalies that are available right now. Like, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. There are some big names out there that. Oh yeah. I mean, I I tweeted this you know <laughs> a week ago or whatever, but man, of, of all the years the Capitals could have picked to have to go out and find a free agent goalie, man, they picked the right year to do it. They did. They did. The goalie market this year is kind of incredible. I mean. You obviously you lose Laner uh, resigning with the, with the Knights, but uh, there's just a lot of good names out there. And uh, one of those names, and uh, Jason, you, you foreshadowed this very well, is uh, <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist. And uh, it seems uh, from you know some of the people that I've I've been talking to a little bit that uh, Henrik Lundqvist to the Capitals seems like it's a pretty. I I don't want to say it's a done deal, but it seems like we're right to the edge of that. So. Let's say it's a, you know, I mean, one kind of, do you expect this to get done? And two, what do you think Lundqvist would bring to the Caps? Well, so, man, talk about feeling like a kid on Christmas morning, Greg. Yeah. Capitals are, <laughs> Capitals are about to sign Henrik frickin' Lundqvist. Like that, can we just like, I'm just going to. That rules. It's I'm going to clap up for the universe and for fate right now, because that's kind of awesome. That's kind of fun. Um, so I, first, your first question, I'm just, I'm so hyped right now. Your first question, <laughs> when can we expect to get this done? Brian McClellan, as a general manager, has always been a guy who doesn't really mess around. When he, when he makes a decision, he goes and gets it done. Um, yeah. He may take longer to uh, sour on a player that you like, or he may stick with a player that you hate longer or whatever. But once he makes a decision, he goes and acts. And from what we're hearing, it sounds like this is their guy. And if if King Henrik is their guy... From, I've heard Greg Wyshynski say it. I've heard several others say they expect it to be done basically Friday morning when 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 the stock market opens, you know. And so <laughs> and so, given that, I have no reason to to think it won't be a done deal Friday by the time you're having lunch or so. Um, but man, let's take a second to think about what we are talking about here. We are. T- I could list on one hand, Greg, the amount of players who played for a hated rival of my team that I liked more than Henrik Lundqvist. I love Henrik Lundqvist. Like he, two roads diverged in a yellow wood of fate and Alex Ovechkin's career went one way and Henrik Lundqvist's career went another way. I feel very strongly about that. I feel very much like, and I've written this before uh, in various places, but like Alex Ovechkin, had he not won the Stanley Cup in 2018, and if he does, and if he didn't get another one, he would have been Charles Barkley. He would have been Dan Marino. He would have been the best player to never win it. And Henrik is sort of, kind of this this generation's Barkley, Marino. I mean, I. I, I'm sure if someone put a gun to my head, I could come up with better players like that. I'm thinking of some of the Sharks legends and stuff like that. But, but I mean, did Dominic Hasek ever win a cup? I I think he did eventually, right? Shoot, I'm gonna get my hockey fan card revoked for not knowing this. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually looking it up right now too. Great <laughs> podcasting, by the way. But but, that's okay. but as far <laughs> as like from the from this generation of players, this you know the guys that are getting up in up in their 30s now. I mean, he was. 
for a long time, like the consensus best goalie on earth. Like people can, you know, jock sniffs Carey Price all they want, but it was it was Henrik Lundqvist. <laughs> and <laughs> as far as you know, as far as guys that Capitals fans have watched in the playoffs and watched break their hearts and watched their team break his heart in return over and over, ad nauseum, ad infinitum, like like a an Ouroboros of fate just eliminating itself from the playoffs forever. Oh, yeah. Henrik Lundqvist was that guy. He and Ovi, Ovi and him, the mm-hmm. duels. I mean, the world's greatest scorer versus the world's greatest goalie. Like there was Madison Square Garden, Verizon Center, Game 7. Like there, there was nothing better than that as a Capitals fan for many, many, many years. And even when you loathed what he was doing to the Capitals' shooting percentage in the playoffs – there, I guarantee you there's not a – there's very few Capitals fans that ever earnestly disliked Henrik Lundqvist. There was always begrudging admiration and respect. Oh, yeah. And one of those guys like, dang, I hope he gets a cup. I hope he doesn't have to go through us to get it, but I hope he gets one one day. Yeah. And And now, Greg, my friend, as we sit here and chat at a – 6:20 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon, a very pregnant Thursday evening just before a very important Friday, we may wake up to news that Henrik Lundqvist is a Washington Capital. Yeah. And and that's <laughs> that's I mean that's dang cool. Like that's awesome. It's just it rules. <laughs> it's fun. Anyone He's any so you and, and we'll chat about whether he is the best man for the job or not. But let's set that aside for one second right now and just yeah. acknowledge it's really fun. Yes. It's incredible. Like, I mean, the, the I think I was, there was someone who was saying, like, at least in terms of wins above replacement since 2007, that, like, Henrik Lundqvist is, like, triple the next closest person. Yeah. Like, he is maybe, I mean, you would say, so I, I did look, and Hasek did actually win a cup as a backup with the Red Wings, but, so okay. I think I'm, like, safe to say, he is probably the greatest goalie to never win a Stanley Cup, and you probably would put him in the top five just ever, Yeah, I incredible. Mean, I, I, he's, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer whenever oh, he retires, yeah. and that's, and there's not a lot of goalies, uh, uh, such a streaky, and what have you done for me lately position that you can say, oh, when Homeboy retires, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Henrik Lundqvist is that. Henrik Lundqvist, I mean, he he got some really bad Rangers teams. He pulled them with his teeth in the skin of his nose for many years. He made it to a cup finals. He was so close. And he, here's the thing about Henrik, right? People are like, oh, he's 38 years old. First of all, Gregory, I'm, I'm 30 and I feel like a trash bag. Okay. Yeah. I'm also fun. 30 and I, right. I, I agree with that very strongly. Right. But my point <laughs> is that Henrik, but I'm also not old in the grand scheme of life. And if I were in better shape, I'd be fine. Henrik is 38. He's only eight years older than me. He's a young man by any conventional measure. And he is a world-class athlete getting paid millions of dollars to be a world-class athlete. Let's not sit here and act like he's grandpa in the retirement home. He's very, very physically fit. He would he would whoop your ass. He would whoop my ass, I'm sure. And so the problem was he was getting thrown out every night at Madison Square Garden in front of a buzzsaw of a terrible Rangers defense that was in the middle of a rebuild. And they were basically saying, Hank, just we pray to thee, please be our sacrificial lamb and just block, make up for a lot of mistakes that this defense is making. And he did. And his goals against average plummeted and his save percentage cratered and his value in the market fell and whatever. But if you bring him into Washington, and you tell him, look, Hank, 
let's say if it was an 82 game season, which it won't even be much to much to an aging player's benefit. Let's say it was 82 games. When we say, Hank, we basically you're here to teach Ilya how to play. You're here to teach him how to be a professional in the NHL. You're here to teach him how to shake off losses. You're here to teach him how to not let wins get to his head. You're here to teach him how to eat, how to practice, how to play, how to prepare. And you are here to maybe play some games when he's off. You're here to be the carrot and the stick to make sure Ilya is always on his game. In an 82-game season, Hank, we, we see you taking significantly less than half the load because he's here. Ilya is here to get his swings at the plate, to get his, to get his knocks in, you know, to get his reps. And so they tell a guy who is a world-class athlete who for many, many years was the very best goalie on the face of the earth who by all accounts seems to be a respected leader and a nice enough guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this sounds like a dream landing spot for Lundquist, and it sounds like a dream guy for the Capitals. Yeah. Yeah, so let me, let me ask you about that. So I think that dynamic with Samsonov is interesting, right? Because, and it's, it's an interesting time right now, because, like, I mean, I don't think many people in the capital seem to particularly blame Sansonov for what happened in the offseason and getting, I guess it was an ATV injury or whatever it was. But yeah. I, I, I think it is. it was a little awkward, right? And I think it yeah. was, you could tell the Caps, at least some of the people I think were at least a little frustrated with that. So, like, expand on that a little bit with kind of the professionalism and how do you see that fit with Sansonov looking, assuming it happens. Yeah, so... I think it's perfectly fair, Greg, to say that there was probably a feeling among the Capitals front office and among fans that, oh, come on, guy, you know how much we're trusting you with the future of this team. We know how much is invested in you. You know how much our our hopes and whatever are tied up in you. And, and with the fame and the fortune comes something of a responsibility to your employer and to the fan base. And what are you doing writing an ATV, you stupid idiot, right? Yeah. It's, probably, <laughs> it's probably a modicum of that. Um. I would say two things. One, uh, for all we know, he was being completely safe and there was a freak obstacle in the road or whatever. And per, for all we know, he's faultless in his own injury. And if that is the case, then then it's really ugly of us to to get on him for it. Now, I don't, I don't know, but I would just advise the listening public to consider that perhaps. Absolutely. Um, thirdly, whatever number I'm on. <laughs> um I think it spooked the Capitals specifically because they have had problems with the decision-making of talented young Russians in the past. Let's, let's leave it at that. And, (laughs) and so I think there was probably a bit of forehead slapping and, Oh, come on, not again. Um, I, I would say, yeah, I think it's probably fair to say they felt a little bit of that. Yeah. All right. Um, I we've talked for ten minutes about Henrik Lundqvist. I could talk for forty-five <laughs> more because um, I I am really really excited for this. But the Caps did do something else, uh, presaging the uh, free agent market, and uh, that's re-signing Brendan Dillon to a I think the four-year three-point-nine million with no trade protection. So, Jason, I'm gonna put my cards on the table and say I think this is fine. I don't, I don't, I think Brendan Dillon is fine. I think that this is a fine contract. It's reasonable. I think I'm probably in the minority there about, I think people are a little higher on this deal. I was reading in places that the Caps felt like they had to get this deal done. So 
Why am I wrong? Why is there, should I be higher on this contract? And what do you think Brendan Dillon kind of brings back to the Caps here? Yeah, so Brendan Dillon, I thought, was the best acquisition the Capitals made all last year. Um, yeah. I, I thought he he was streaky, right? Like his play was kind of up and down every now and then. Sure. But the nature of his game and when his game is on is such that it's exactly what the Capitals are missing. He, more than any other player on the defense, he acts, not reacts. He, for example, when he's out at the point covering his man, he doesn't wait for the guy to show what he's doing. He doesn't wait for him to kind of, okay, if he passes, I'm going to block the pass. D- Dylan is rushing up into him. He is taking away his space, and you have to make a decision before he gets to you because if he gets to you, he's going to hit you. He's going to take the puck away. Sure. And he is always, always hurrying and hustling. Um, I love that about him. They need so much more of that. You look at the teams that win. They are the teams that never stop skating or moving their feet. They are the teams that are the first one into the corner. They are the teams that win the foot races. And that's, I think, the biggest knock that you could say about the Capitals in at least the years leading up to the Cup, in those the shortcoming years, were many times it looked like the other team just wanted it more. Yeah, and that's a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's about the worst thing you can say of a hockey team. Um, and so what Dylan brings is that fire, that spark, that piss and vinegar that this team needs. Now, he needs to get more consistent. He needs to bring that every night and not let the flashes in the pan cool down the whole pan. Like Dmitry Orlov, for example, used to be guilty so much, and he's been doing it so much more of going in for a pinch at the at the blue line and missing and all of a sudden his guys got a got a breakaway the other way things Absolutely. like that the the risk reward calculus I think Dylan has to get a little sharper with but I I like him as a player for 3.9 million I have no problem with the 4 years that's pretty yeah. standard that's the third defenseman contract in a row the Capitals have given out that was that was 4 years between Kempney and Jensen and Dylan now they all got 4 years so that seems to be the going fair Sure. 2.9 million, excuse me, 3.9 million per. Um, Well, let's see. They're paying Michael Kempney 2.5. They're paying Jensen 2.5. So they think that Dylan is at least um, basically 75% more valuable than Michael Kempney. Um, I don't know if he is. And admittedly, Michael Kempney signed a contract that at the time people thought was the steal of the century. And when they won the Stanley Cup, at least, it felt like the steal of the century. Absolutely. Um, then he got hurt, and you know he's not quite bounced all the way back yet. Um, but I, I think a lot of people, if, if he had signed for $3 million, they would have said, yeah, that's fine. Um, it seems a little steep in price. The saving grace is the no-trade protection. Yeah. Um, the fact that they can... If he plays really well, they can use him as a bargaining chip. That's very, very valuable. And I, I think that when folks look at the price tag and they think, Ooh, I don't know, I think that is that is what they need to remember as well, that the better he plays, theoretically, if things don't go well or whatever, uh, or if they need to get better in a different position, the more value he will bring into the team on his way out the door. Yeah. So I guess let's let's ask about if there if there's anything else we think that the Caps are going to need or want in free agency. So I am on the Capitals cap friendly page and they are showing um, about five million pretty much on the dot with in projected cap space. Uh, 
uh, I see Siegenthaler as an RFA. I think that's the only one they have. Um, and then who knows what the Lundqvist contract is going to be. But do you see the Caps maybe making another push for maybe either a depth forward or a depth defenseman? Or do you see them maybe being active in the trade market? Because we talked about kind of the volatility of things. So do you see the Caps kind of participating in that beyond just re-signing uh, Dylan and potentially almost certainly acquiring Henrik Henry Lundqvist? Yeah, so you said they've got five million Monopoly bucks to play with. You know, they do. Imaginary simoleons to play with here. Um, on defense, I think they're donezo. Between, I mean, Dylan is the guy that Max said he wanted for the top four role. And sure. then between Faravari and Siegenthaler, one of one of them's going to figure it out. One of them's going to get it done. I think they. I think each day. Siegenthaler is cresting the hill of the trajectory of his future, and every day Faravari is increasing up the trajectory a little bit. Um, I think right now they, I think that sixth spot is probably Faravari's to lose to Siegenthaler. Um, yeah. But either way, I think they're done on defense. I think okay. they think between Hershey and who they've got in house, I think they're good there. Um, now, as far as forwards, I did hear. My my buddy Tarek El Bashir uh, writing on uh, for the Athletic talking about how Capitals want to add a middle a I'm quoting here from the article a middle six forward a la a Brett Connolly type. Um, yeah. First of all, Brett Cot I'm just going <laughs> off on a bit of a rant here because Brett Connolly was like my favorite role player to come through the Capitals in a long time. Brett Connolly is a stud, and I love that guy, and I want to be on the record saying that. I had to get yeah. that off my chest. <laughs> Maybe one of the better pure shooters that the Capitals yes. That's I wrote an article for Washington City Paper. I wrote a long feature about Brett Connolly, about his shot, because it's yes. so good. He, for, for like 50 games, he was shooting at like 20%, and he had 15 goals. So it was like nine times the NHL average. I literally tracked down his junior hockey goalie, <laughs> Prince George, Canada, and literally found his LinkedIn and sent him a connect note. It was like, hey, I'm a reporter. Can I talk to you about this guy you coached 20 years ago or whatever? Um, but yeah, anyway, I love Rick Connolly. So as far as, <laughs> as far as Capitals forwards, they've been – it really depends on what Lundqvist costs them, right? And I think that's yeah. part of the reason part of the reason they want to get that done right away so that they know what they're working with. But let's say let's say he takes up a lot of that 5 million. Let's say he takes up like a, a stupid amount of that 5 million and takes up like four of it or something. So maybe if, like a one year 4 million type yes, deal or something. If, yeah. if that's if that's the case, then what I think they will do is probably try to ride one of their forwards in the farm already. So, for example, they re-signed Brian Pino. Um, they there was a reason they did that. They must have thought he was nearly NHL ready. Yeah. Uh, they have. He, he got some minutes in the bubble, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Connor McMichael. You know, he's not there yet, but obviously, people he's on people's radar, and he's going to be watched very closely at camp. So, I think that they think that they have enough fourth line caliber depth at least in the farm system that if they need to go out and spend the money at goalie okay fine we can figure it out at the fourth line with one of these rookies let's say uh let's say old boy hank comes in cheaper let's say he's like i just want to win boys i you know i want to play with ovechkin i want to blah 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 give me me the one year one million deal yeah yeah 
give me give me the ring chaser special. Sure. And let's say they've, if they've got four million, man, this is a fun market to be out in right now. I've heard people talking about uh, Bobby Ryan. I think it was. Yeah, I've heard that name too. Actually, a little. I don't. I don't think they'll go for Bobby Ryan because I think that he is too old for them, and I think that after watching Ilya Kovalchuk, just I want. I wanted that to work so bad, Greg, and he just yeah. looked like he, he just looked like he kind of lost a step. He wasn't. Yeah, he, he, it he did. Was, I mean, uh, he kind of the Caps were in a malaise, I would say. Really, well, we'll talk about this after the break yeah. a little bit, but it seemed like they were in kind of a malaise in really the second half of the year, and he, I think he kind of just fit into that a little bit too much. Maybe I don't, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have a great read of kind of what happened, but it just he was invisible in the bubble too. Yeah. So I think that there there are some guys out there that they might go for, and especially as free agency continues to shake out here. But I think more likely they're going to have to spend some of that money on Hank, and then I think they will probably go with one of their one of their guys in the farm system. Sure. Yeah. Let me just toss this out there. Uh, I would be curious to see uh, Tyler Toffoli might be a little bit ahead of the caps, pri- mm-hmm. a little above their price range, but. Uh, that's just I'm gonna float that name out there just a yeah, little bit. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the and the caps have, have a, a proud history of acquiring guys that are former LA Kings. So that <laughs> well. That is true. That is true. Um all right, so before the break, uh I'm gonna go we I have four free agents picked out. I'm gonna give you a thirty seconds or less. Uh Braden Holpe. I let me let me maybe phrase it this way though. Where would you like Braden Holpe to go and where do you think he will go? I want to see Braden Holtby go to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Ah, going back home a little bit. I want to see old boy go back west to Western Canada, where he is from. You know, in in lieu of a team in Saskatchewan, he can go to Edmonton, and he will be the missing piece that that franchise needs to get over the hump, and he will bring glory back to his home, Western Canada. That's what I want. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, that seems to be uh that seems to be a decent probability, so we will see. Um, do you think uh, Petrangelo? Do you think he stays in, with the Blues, or do you think he goes somewhere else? It, it'll be interesting, especially because he yeah. watched Pat Maroon leave that championship Blues team, go to a contender, and win another cup. And so I, I think it'll be tough, especially as he gets a little older. He might go ring chasing, and if he thinks that the teams around St. Louis like Dallas, like the other team, like uh, these other teams that are more on the upswing right now than St. Louis. Sure. Is. Maybe a Colorado might, or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the West is hot right now. And so it is. he he might, you know, say, well, I'm going to go to fairer pastures and, and try to get another, try to get a ring. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. And man, oh man, that stars defense with uh, Heiskanen, Kleberg, yes. and Petrangelo. Man, oh man, that would be yes. that would be fun to watch. You know, Heiskanen, Heiskanen reminds me of super, super young Shane Gostisbehere. Interesting, except, yeah. Except he's a more complete player than Gostisbehere yes. ever was. Yeah, I mean, he's a like, Gostisbehere, obviously, up and down defensively. And yeah. uh, Heiskanen is just a monster everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of amazing that he's as young as he is. Yeah. Um, let's see. So uh, Taylor Hall, that seems to be the big unknown. I have no idea where Taylor Hall <laughs> is going to go. Um, I've heard that maybe Colorado ponies up for us for like a very short term, two year, go win a cup kind of deal. But I don't know. Do you have any kind of feel on where he could go? 
I'm so glad you prefaced that by saying it's the great unknown because I have absolutely no idea where Taylor Hall is going to go. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think he'll go to Colorado just because I think Colorado thinks that they are good enough right now to win with what they've got. And I think had they not been utterly decimated by injuries, they might have been good enough to win with what they have. Okay. So I, I don't see them mortgaging what they've got to go after a guy that has brought mixed success to the teams he has played for. Sure. And you know, Taylor Hall's a great player, man, but what what did the Devils do? What did the Coyotes do? You know? Like Yeah. And so I, I, I don't <laughs> What did I'll, the Oilers do? Although he kind yeah. of left there before he could really well, you I mean, know. You could you could give the Oilers a, a gold nugget and they would you know turn it into tinfoil, but <laughs> but I but I don't I, I don't know where he'll go, but I would be surprised if Colorado blew up what they got to get Taylor Hall. Sure. Okay. Um. Yeah. I I agree. And let me just throw out uh, I heard Boston as a name for Taylor Hall. If they were able to figure that out, yes. I, I don't want them to, but that would be that, that would actually I think be a good fit there. Maybe that I could see is because Boston the the championship 2010 team generation is aging out, is retiring, is, sure. I mean, from from that core, you've got Marshan and Bergeron and Chara, who's now, you know, done or, or almost done. And so they are, they are in that transitory period where they think, man, with Pasternak and some of these young guys, we're, we're good enough to compete right now, but we need to transition successfully into whatever our next era is going to be. And perhaps for them, they think that's building around Taylor Hall. Yeah. So then last one, uh, the the interesting and perennially underrated, I would say, uh, kind of being in the shadow of uh, Chara and McElvoy will do that. But Tori Krug is a player I'm really kind of curious to see where he ends up. Yeah, I mean, Tori Krug is one of those guys that I hate because he's so good. And every time we play him, it seems like he's doing something. I'm like, oh, man, that was yeah. really good. Smart um, player, too. Yeah. Yes. And what? What I have heard mentioned, and I am hoping, hoping, hoping is not true, is Long Island is one oh, of the places. Interesting. And oh. just, I'm trying to think of. I could see Carolina maybe being in on yeah. him too. Let's see, you know. Those, yeah, Carolina's got some of those dynamic sort of two-way kind of players like that. Yeah. Uh, I just hope, I hope he doesn't come to the Metropolitan Division wherever yeah. he goes. <laughs> Go out west. Go, yeah. go, to, go to Vancouver. Yeah, go, go with Holtby. Go to Edmonton. Yeah, there you go. That's fine. All right. Uh, well, we are uh, 36 minutes in, and we're going to take a break. <laughs> um, on the other side, uh, I'm going to talk to Jason about uh, Peter Laviolette, uh, the Caps window, and uh, his thoughts on an OV extension. So uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to Jamfers Drink Radio. I'm still here with uh, Jason Rogers. And Jason, um, so I want to talk about Peter Laviolette. And I want to talk, because I we haven't had you on, and uh, I am curious about everyone's thoughts on the, the coaching switch, because I think uh, beyond Henrik Lundqvist and you know beyond resigning Brett Dillon, this is obviously the big thing that the Caps did. So let me, let me kind of phrase it this way. So I think we saw the Caps struggle in the bubble, and I think there was a lot of questions about maybe not motivation, but whether they were as 100% sharp as they could be. So... Do you think hiring a coach like Peter Laviolette was a reaction to that? Do you think that he was the absolute best coach they could have hired? Kind of what what do you think the thinking was? And do you think the Caps play in the bubble at all informed the hire? 
So <laughs> there's a lot of people on Twitter who are of the opinion that all sports owners are the devil simply by virtue of being billionaires. I'm not necessarily among them, but <laughs> but, but I, I say this sincerely, and they, they doubt me because they think, oh, how could a person learn from the past? But I genuinely believe that this is a reaction not to the last – to the bubble or the last year – I think this is a reaction to the last 15 years of, of Alex Ovechkin's career. And I think that they have seen that they have, I think they would say, if not wasted, then didn't get the most out of several years of his career because they fed him to a first year NHL head coach. They did that several times and the results were never very good. And when they, brought in for the first time a coach, you know, outside of Boudreaux, a, a coach with experience, or, or at least for the first a coach with... Results were pretty good. <laughs> yeah, a, a coach with NHL head coaching experience, Barry Trotz, well, they won the dang Stanley Cup. And, and won two president's trophies before that, too. Yes, yes. They were the dominant force in the NHL for about half a decade. <laughs> and <laughs> it was pretty good for Capitals fans. Not and, too bad. Yeah, you know, hey, can't beat it. So I think that this is a reaction to that, to, to, to them having learned, okay, look, let's stop screwing around here. Alex Ovechkin, the way I describe it is the old adage goes, a dog can only run halfway into the woods until he is running out of the woods. And Alex Ovechkin is running out of the woods. He has fewer years ahead of him than he has behind him. And, mm -hmm. and I think Ted Leonsis knows what Alex Ovechkin means to – I mean, let's 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 talk for real for real. He knows what he means to his bank account. He knows what he means to the to the success and the revenues of this business and this franchise. But he also I genuinely believe in in a way that many sports owners just don't seem to from where I'm sitting. What Alex Ovechkin means to this community and to this city and this region and what how important it is to do right by Ovi in the eyes of his customers and what it means to get the most out of Ovechkin and in so doing get the most out of his franchise. And he knows that that Lavi is is that kind of guy. Now, I saw Gregory, what I'm I'm sure the <laughs> same the same reports that you did about the Capitals treating the bubble like a vacation and you know they're going to the swimming pool and they're drinking <laughs> alcoholic beverages and I've never know. heard of a hockey player do that before. No, I haven't either. <laughs> I've I've never seen those fountains in Georgetown. I don't know, you know. I, no. <laughs> no, they were 100% sober when they did that. Oh yeah. <laughs> but but so I I don't it would be foolish and reckless of me to sit here and speculate because I because I just don't know. Um sure. I don't think that they necessarily treated the bubble any more or less seriously than any other team did. But I do know that this team, all, it, the, the murmurs among uh, folks inside Kettler, inside MedStar for a long time have been that Todd Reardon as a coach couldn't be the, as, as you're in my fearless leader, JP here at Japers Rink likes to call him the bad cop. Absolutely. Todd couldn't be the bad cop. He was an excellent good cop under Barry Trotz, and he 
he made Dmitry Orlov with, by developing him. He is an exceptional player development coach, and players love him, love to play for him. Mm-hmm. But so, somebody's got to be old granddad that comes in and is like, no, you can't go swim in the pool. And and I don't know if Todd ever got to be that. And so a culture of less than 100% focus among a clientele of this Capitals roster that – is already a bit inclined towards clowning and, you know, and, and that's what we love about him, right? Verona, yeah. Verona, Kuznetsov, these guys, they love to joke around. That's why we love them. But uh, they were already sort of inclined to needing help with discipline, put it that way. And and I'm going to tell you, Greg, who going to give them some discipline is going to be Peter LaViolette. Because Peter LaViolette, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much of the footage of the 24-7 when he was coaching the Flyers you've gotten to see, but there is just a gorgeous clip of him coming into the locker room. They're down like 3-1 to one to the Rangers in the oh, second, yeah. second mission. And he, first of all, he sounds exactly like Herb Brooks from the movie Miracle, which I am very much all about. But he... <laughs> He reads them the riot act and he makes valid points and but he he tears into them with reason and and but but focus and seriousness in in a way that felt very trotzian and and i I like that I like that um he's he's a tough guy, but he's a motivator and he's a good communicator and he's a lot like trots in that way and and his pedigree let, let no man or woman be smirch the resume of Peter LaViolette. I mean, I was doing just a little bit of research because I'm an idiot and hadn't done so. It's really dang impressive, Greg. He's the f- only the fourth coach in NHL history to lead three teams to the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh, he, yeah. He won it with Carolina. He took Philly, and he took Nashville. I mean, this guy has the experience. He, In the same way that the more I think about it, the more Henrik Lundqvist sounds like a perfect match – the more I think about Peter Laviolette, the more he feels like a perfect match for this capital team. He's got the attitude and and the tough guy sort of you know seriousness. He's but he's also a very good communicator and he has the pedigree to to know how what buttons to press and and that sort of thing. And just I, I really think the Capitals knocked it out of the park with that signing. They did, they did. And we're talking about a guy who has been a, a head coach in the NHL for, I believe, 19 consecutive years, yeah. which is, I mean, like, say what you will about the Cubs, too, but that's just impressive in itself, particularly I mean, in a league that will fire, you see teams fire a coach at a, at a drop of a hat. Yeah, I mean, Bruce Boudreaux's out here on podcasts begging for a job. Yes. Like, Bruce Boudreaux's out here going, well, if they called me, I might entertain it. Yeah. And it's like, meanwhile, Peter Peter Laviolette's been working for two decades in one of the hardest jobs in the world. Yes. It's impressive. He's uh, he's impressive. So I guess there there's, there is a player that uh, we have hinted about earlier. And I, I mean, when Adam Oates came on, the big question was going to be, how did he improve Ovechkin and bring him back to the 50 goal scorer that we all wanted? Yes, and yes. He he did, and there were some other problems, obviously, with Adam Oates. But uh, but um, the the player that I think I'm curious about, and I know that when I had Tarek on, he was curious about too, is how Laviolette's going to work with Evgeny Kuznetsov because Evgeny Kuznetsov is someone that I think we've all seen the glimmers and the tantalizing ability that that man possesses he is a skill set that really is kind of unique in the nhl and 
I, but I think we've also seen him struggle, particularly defensively, uh, where he's maybe been one of the worst defensive forwards in the league. So I, I guess kind of what do you think a coach like Laviolette might bring to a player like Evgeny Kuznetsov? Man, first of all, I think that Laviolette, if anyone is going to be the the balm to soothe what ails Evgeny Kuznetsov, yeah. Laviolette La is as likely a candidate as anyone. Um, I think it's a good fit there. But let's talk about Kuznetsov for a second. That The quote he gave, it was, I think, last year or the year before, where a reporter asked him about winning the Hart Trophy as MVP, and he said, you have, and I'm paraphrasing here, you have to work really hard to win the MVP, and I don't want to work that hard. That is one of the most alarming and befuddling things I can recall a player saying yeah. into a microphone. <laughs> like, especially a player who I think at the time had either just signed or was just about to sign a new, just everlasting gobstopper of a contract. Yes. And in a player that everyone understood was being groomed to be the the if, not as good, you know, different player than Ovechkin, but the second best player on a team that had the best player in the world. Their top line center. Yes, the top line center for a perennial Stanley Cup powerhouse. Yeah. And so so let's not act like these concerns about Evgeny Kuznetsov's focus or his commitment to the goal that the rest of the team shares are new things or are things that we're making up. These are very real. Um, oh, yeah. It's it's enough that I reckon, and I don't know, and I'm speculating, and, and I, I smack my wrist for doing that, but <laughs> I, I have to imagine, I have to imagine that when Brian McClellan was selecting coaches, one – I bet that the search was largely or partially centered around, okay, who do I think can get this guy that we've that we're investing, you know, $80 million or whatever it is over the next eight years or whatever it is. Yeah. Who can get the most out of him? But I'm sure that conversation came up in the coach interviews. What would you do with Evgeny Kuznetsov? How can you help Evgeny Kuznetsov succeed? And I – Laviolette seems to be a guy that gets players to play two-way games in, in a to an extent that his offense has been called boring and things like that. Um, he's got experience with superstars, and he's got experience with guys that fairly or not have been criticized for not being focused enough. Um, and guys guys with a lot of fun personality. He coached P.K. Subban. He did. And and I don't think that any of the criticism P.K. Subban gets for not being focused on the game is fair. But insofar as he's a big personality and a big star, Laviolette has experience getting the most out of those guys. And, I mean, uh, uh, Subban was on the cover of, you know, NHL whatever when Laviolette was the coach. Not that that's the same as winning a Hart Trophy, but, oh. you know, something. And, and so I think that Laviolette is a great choice there. But ultimately, Greg, ultimately it's going to come down to whether – Evgeny Kuznetsov gives a crap. Yeah. And, well, and, and that was what was striking about the bubble, too, is, I mean, like, game three, 
like, and really the second period, we saw Kuznetsov wake up, and you're just like, and he scored that gorgeous goal in Game Three, and you're just like, where has this Kuznetsov been? Yeah, like, he was I mean, engaged I've, defensively, and you're just like, what the heck happened here? Yeah, I've I've talked to Kuzi enough to know that he is an extraordinarily smart person. I mean, he he mastered English faster than than I think anyone would believe and 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 not just like learned it but mastered it and can use idioms and expressions and things like that he he's always thinking he's got an extremely quick wit he's very 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 smart he also the thing the thing that always stands out to me about Kuzi whenever I talk to him is that he's got other things going on in his life he's got other loves and other interests he loves his family he he loves spending time with them. It, it seems like he's got hobbies, and he, you know, he, not that like he plays, he plays video games, but and maybe that's a poor example. But my point is that he, he finds other things. he finds joy in other things, yeah. And and perhaps the way that manifests itself in his hockey game is that he he's not Michael <laughs> Jordan, you know, seething thirty years later saying I took that personally, you know, like and yeah. so. And so maybe he never becomes Michael Jordan, but but I, I do think I, I do think it's possible that it's not as quite as important to Kuzi to be a, 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 a huge success in hockey as some other players because he's got a more well-rounded life than some other players, and that might be upsetting to some people to hear. But ultimately, it's because he's a he's a he's a good, well-adjusted person, <laughs> and <laughs> and that's I, I think I hope that Laviolette, by being firm, but by being a good communicator, which he is, mm-hmm. I hope that he will connect with Evgeny and find a way to motivate him outside of just you got to do this because your life depends on it because it doesn't yeah. because yeah. it doesn't. And and I think I think that Lavi will find a way to motivate Kuzi. Yeah, I here's hoping. So, well, I guess we'll conclude by talking about a player that seemingly needs no motivation because he's the greatest player in Washington Capitals history and is. I will say I don't know if he's going to catch Gretzky's record through no fault of his own, but through a literal act of God. <laughs> the uh, Alex Ovechkin, he's. Due for a contract extension uh, that I really, I don't think there's going to be any issue with the Caps giving. Uh, But I I guess kind of, what are you expecting for an Ovechkin extension? And we talk so much about what Ovechkin means to the team. But do you you think that his extension could be kind of a Backstrom-esque, like, well, we arguably underpaid you for a pretty long time, and so here's a slight overpay. Or do you think that he's going to maybe be in the mindset of, if I take a little less, maybe the Caps can win? That's really tough to say, because in every single way, on every single day, Alex Ovechkin perplexes and baffles what people expect a player to do. Mm-hmm. And in just whether that's his personality, whether that is his refusal to regress to the mean as he ages— whether that is whatever, he is in every way an unconventional player. And I think a lot of players would say, like like you said exactly, look, y'all underpaid me for the production and for the value that I brought to this team, uh, both on and off the ice. 
I'm trying to get paid one more time before I cash out of this thing, and y'all better have the bag. Like I yeah. can, I I could see a lot of players doing that, but Alex Ovechkin is a big enough superstar in some places, in some countries, a la Lionel Messi, a la Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo, that he's got revenue coming in from endorsements and from other things. He doesn't. He's he's going to be his kids 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 are going to be financially set. He doesn't need the the difference <laughs> that be- extra million dollars or whatever. Yes, right? the, yeah. exactly. The difference between 11 million a year and, and 8 million a year isn't going to break him. Um I I do so it's hard to tell what his motivations will be. But I do earnestly earnestly believe that Ted Lund, Ted Lina, uh Ted Leonsis has instructed his front office to sign Ovechkin no matter the cost, no matter what it takes. And I haven't talked to anybody recently, um, but folks that I've talked to, you know, a year or two ago before, right after they won the cup, I was like, is there any chance he retires or, or does Leonsis say, look, burn the team around him, but he's, he is our, I mean, who, who you can't, I can't even think of, I can't think. He's the star. I mean, he's the, he is the, he is the Capitals at this He's point. the biggest star yeah. in the history of D.C. sports. I'm just going to yeah. say that. I had this conversation with my father last week, who's 68 years old, lifelong Washington sports fan, born and raised here. And I asked him, who's the biggest star in Washington sports history? And he, we had some talks about, you know, Sammy Baugh and Sonny Jurgensen and these, you know, Walter Johnson. It's Alex, but eventually he was like, it's Alex Ovechkin. It is, And yeah. so if, if Leonsis... Whatever happens this year, right? If this team sucks this year, and they're like, "Oh, damn, we're farther away from contending than than we thought we were," then I think they they pay Ovechkin whatever he wants, and they yeah. say, "You know, you know what, Ovi, the the bigger value here is not spoiling this relationship with the fan base, not souring, letting you go out. We'll build you a statue on F Street, and <laughs> you will we'll invite you back for casino nights three times a year, and this cash cow will keep moving." Yeah, I, I I can't see Leonsis letting Ovechkin walk and go play a year as an Anaheim Duck or you know whatever. I just I just don't see it. I will eat this. What is in front of me? I will eat this Kurt Vonnegut book book if Alex Ovechkin ever plays anywhere else. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, I guess that begs the question: What's the Kurt Vonnegut book that you? Uh, that it you is a a book called Galapagos. I found it at a, whenever I go into a small, like indie bookstore, I always see what Kurt Vonnegut they got. And they had there one that I, had. Yeah, I, cause I finally read Slaughterhouse, uh, Slaughterhouse I the other day, uh, the, uh, a few months ago during this, uh, unending hellscape that is quarantine. Although that was actually a great book, but, uh, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. So, uh, but Jason Rogers, this has been a ton of fun. I know that before we started, I, I I had said, uh, oh, well, we'll keep it under an hour. It'll be fine. And uh, here we are <laughs> pushing an hour. Uh, but this has been a blast, man. Thank you for, so much for coming on. Where can people find your stuff and uh, your various works and musings? Absolutely. <laughs> um, you can uh, always find me at WashingtonCityPaper.com. And whenever we are making live television in a normal sense again, you can see me on NBC Sports Washington on your television tubes. And you can find me at JapersRink.com, just like you, Greg. Yeah! Woo-hoo! Woo! There you go. There you go. All right. Well, Jason, this has been a blast. Um, oh, and uh, I, I will uh, – let me do the uh, the basics real quick here. Uh, if you like the show, please rate, rate, subscribe, review, do all of those things on iTunes or wherever you 
uh, get your fine podcasts, uh, I recommend Overcast, which is very good. Um, and uh, if you, uh, yeah, you can follow me at GregY underscore JR. You can follow the person who runs this excellent Twitter account, uh, which is totally not me, at at Japers Rink Radio. And uh, next week, actually on Monday, I'm excited to announce that we will have uh, Micah Blake McCurdy on to uh, talk Woo! about the caps and uh, the various things that happened around the NHL. So uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, thanks for listening.